This episode is brought to you by Heidi. Imagine kicking back while a HIPAA compliant AI scribe writes your soap notes for free. Yes, you heard us right. Heidi is free. I'm Dr. Tom, Heidi's CEO and founder, and we started Heidi to stop clinicians wasting their life on clinical documentation. Heidi transforms your consult babble into crisp, clear soap notes, personalizing itself with every edit. One day, Heidi will be your AI resident, looking through research, explaining plans, and doing anything you don't want to. If you currently pay for an AI scribe in your practice, you should swap to Heidi. We'll even credit you for anything you've already paid. Dive into the description for the link and make your practice the envy of every stethoscope in town. Sign up and watch Heidi work its magic all for free because you've got better things to do. What can an executive communication coach teach physicians about the patient interaction? Listen to this. She dissects each type of professional interaction to help executives and other business people to be their best, and she takes that lens to the doctor-patient interaction. This one is chock full of brass, brass tax advice. Stay tuned and check it out. Hey, this is Brad Block, host of The Physician's Guide to Doctoring. This is a personal and professional development podcast for physicians where we have experts on the show that try to teach us everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we have Frances Cole Jones. She is the author of How to Wow, Proven Strategies for Selling Your Brilliant Self in Any Situation and The Wow Factor. In 1997, she founded Cole Media Management, Cole Media Management, which cultivates clients' inherent strengths to develop the powerful communication skills that enhance professional and personal performance. And boy, can we use that in our physician-patient interactions. Forbes.com voted her blog one of the top 100 websites for women, and Speaking.com voted her one of the top five speakers in the field of communication. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Francis Cole-Jones. You are welcome. So you generally help business people to be more impressive in their interactions, either a sales pitch, a meal, a chance elevator ride with a superior. You help them to optimize those interactions. Now, as physicians, we'll have 20, 30 or more patient interactions a day. So where do we even begin in trying to optimize those interactions? Well, I began by speaking to a number of physicians because what I didn't want to do was come up with a, you know, a few ideas or strategies that I thought were, you know, going to be super helpful and then have anyone who is listening think, well, that's ridiculous. All right. <laughs> this is not going to help me. This woman does not understand what my day is like. So I started there and because I think it's really important. And my biggest takeaway from those conversations was as much as physicians are as frustrated as patients are with the communication, you guys are doing your very level best every day to make everything better. And you're trying to do it on a really tight schedule and fill out paperwork in between. And it's really, I came at it from how can patients help you? So that's where I've gone with this. I appreciate you doing the research on that. <laughs> I will say we're professional physicians. I'm not saying what we do isn't hard. It, it is. And every patient we have to approach differently. And so it is a challenge. But there, we shouldn't be asking them to be professional patients because we're the professional interviewers. 
Well, here's what I thought of that I just thought was just a, as in terms of like a first touch for a patient who might be coming to your office. Because every time I call to make an appointment with a doctor, one of the last things that the scheduler might say to me is, you know, don't forget your ID and your insurance card, right? So what if they were to say to me, and a list of questions or concerns that you would like to ask the doctor? Just to right from the get-go make it clear that I need to come in with a pretty clear idea of what it is that I want to be talking about. So that, you know, basically I don't end up telling you something kind of really important when my hand is on the doorknob, right? <laughs> on the way, you know. So it seems like a fairly easy thing to implement in people's offices just to say, please ask them, you know, to come in with a few just ideas, questions or concerns. Yes, it's your job to interview. And I know that you're very good at it. Well, I'm not. And that's why I have this podcast. <laughs> so I'm asking you these questions. Yeah. So that was just one idea that I had that I thought would make life a little bit easier for everybody and make it more of a a partnership from the get-go. No, that's a great idea because a lot of patients come in and we're like, so why are you here? And they're often like, you know, some people come in with that list and some people are almost like shell-shocked. They don't know where to begin. They don't know. They haven't really thought about their story. They know they're having these symptoms, but they haven't really told it in any concise way. So just giving them the space and opportunity and the prompt to do that ahead of time, it'll take their, you know, chaotic experience and maybe help them make it a little more orderly in their brain. That's also a great thing to do in the waiting room because we try to take people, you know, as they come in on time and even the best of us, our patients spend some time in the waiting room sometimes. Another problem when they're making their appointment or when they're checked in, hey, while you're waiting for the doctor, great thing to do would be make a list of your of questions that you might have. Oh, oh, yes, that's a good idea. Thank you. When did the symptoms start? You know, when do they occur? They occur in the morning. Like, are they like, what do they feel like? All these kinds of things. You know, sometimes it's nice because people can, they like to tell their story, but you might not have all the time in the world to hear the entire history of the story. So just to have a little addition to your questionnaire with a few prompts on it. Make it feel like you're working as a team. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. So let's say one of your doctors was listening right now. They might be. I think 0.08% of doctors listen to listen to this podcast. So let's say they were listening. What would you want them to know to help them optimize You know, experiences, like particular experiences that you've had in the past? Well, again, my field is communication, so I'm pretty clear when I go in about what I need and what I want. So I think that is just something that is is a really useful – I mean, I go into my doctors, I'm like – Hey, you know, this is what I need. This is when it happened. You know, this is how I felt. Or, you know, I think one time when I was going in for surgery, like, you know, I I really was very clear a month. I met with him a month before. I met with him two weeks before. I met with him like a day before. I'm like, we're in pregame. What do I need to do? But so I think that it's really a matter of doctors just being very receptive to having their patients give them a pretty clear outline of what's been going on. And sometimes people feel awkward talking about physical symptoms. What I find a lot is that people will write things down that they won't say out loud, and they'll say things out loud that they won't write down. 
So I think it's really helpful if people have those two and almost to ask them for their list when they come in, because they might not say, whatever, I've been constipated for a week. People don't, that feels awkward to say out loud, but that's something you're going to need to know. So I think that those two ways of communicating both written and verbal can be nice. One thing that I've noticed is that when some patients come in, and it's when many patients come in, because they experience things in severity rather than chronological order, they tell the story from most what seems to be the most important to the least important, which is chronologically chaotic, right? But when we're hearing a story, we need to hear it in the beginning, a middle, and an end. And so I'll often let the patient kind of tell the story they want it, the way they want to tell it. And then sometimes I have to ask them to tell the whole story again, but this time in chronological order, because we're taught, you know, don't interrupt. It's rude to interrupt. Don't cut your patients off. Doctors interrupt within the first 18 seconds of the visit, right? So then in order to not interrupt, I've got to make them repeat themselves. So would there be a respectful way to inform them that this is the best way for us to receive this information? Yes. So what I would do is anytime that anyone ever needs to interrupt, this is a magical phrase, which is, I'm going to interrupt you. So you're not asking permission. It's not may I. It's happening. I'm going to interrupt you. But then what you do is you give them the because behind why you're interrupting. And one of the statistics I like people to have is if you give people the because behind why you're doing something, you increase the possibility of cooperation from 60 to 94%. So if you say to a patient, I'm going to interrupt you because it's so important for us to get the chronological order of what occurred in order for me to have the best grasp on how to get to the right diagnosis. So if the minute they hear that, they're like, oh, okay. It's always just giving the because on why you do it. I think I can tweak that even a little and say, because I need to hear the story like this. So then it's not a problem with the way the patient's telling the story. The problem is I'm limited in the way I need to hear it. So like then they're doing it for me so I can understand it rather than, you know, because they don't know how to tell a story. It helps me to understand or it helps me to get to a diagnosis more quickly or whatever it might be. Rather, here's my concern with I need to hear it this way. It might sound a little bit like a reprimand. So if you say it helps me to understand basically the pulse and the rhythm of what's been going on and that kind of, that kind of language. But I think the other thing I like people to know, and I think it's so useful is that, so 38% of your impact comes from your tonal quality. So much can be done. Like if I say to you, you know what, I'm going to interrupt you, that lands totally differently than I'm going to interrupt you. So it's just really noticing the tonal quality that you're coming in with. Which one would you recommend? Because I could see spinning both of those. Like the second one was more authoritative, but also more commanding. The first one, I think, was a little more respectful, but deferential. Right. And so I think it really will depend on the patient and what kind of pushback you're getting. I refer to them internally in two different kinds of ways. One is what I refer to as your inner New York restaurant hostess. And she's like, oh, you know what? Your table's going to be another half an hour. And you're like, all right. Cause there's like, 
she's giving you bad news, but she sounds so happy about it that you're kind of like, okay, whatever. And you, but then the other way of doing it, the more authoritarian piece is more like a school crossing guard. Like there's a safety issue and I'm going to interrupt you. You got to read the room, whatever the, the patient needs to hear and not whichever one you feel like doing whatever one the patient needs to hear more. Yeah, whichever one you think is going to land better with the patient. Some people like to be told and some people like to be coaxed. What about the introduction, right? So the introduction to the visit. So we're walking in the room and sometimes we walk in the room. My, I'm an ENT. And so when I walk in the room, everyone's fully clothed. But some of us, you're not opening a door. You're pulling back a, a curtain to find someone who's mostly naked, except for a thin gown that's open in the back. So either way, you're walking in the room. How do we start that both authoritatively, but also respectfully? I mean, again, I think that this is a, another area where the people around you are going to help to set it up in such a way that the patient feels comfortable. So if there are people with whom you're working, you can say to them, you know, as you give them the gown, just explain, you know, when the doctor comes in, you're going to want to have the gown open to the back and you, you can be seated on the examining table just to set them up so that they don't feel awkward. And the other thing that I think is really important, particularly for female clients is, I mean, to, if you, they can, or if they're more comfortable having someone come in the room with you, it's a small thing, but it's not insignificant or to say, you know, or to have that offered in the reception area, maybe you might want to bring a friend, particularly if it's going to be a visit where difficult things are discussed. Cause a lot of times when hard subjects are started, People, they just, they simply shut down. It's hard for them to take it in. And if they don't have somebody with them to say, like, you, know, you might want to take notes on some of the things that we're talking about, just to help them feel more comfortable with that. I would make all of those recommendations. But I think this is also, essentially, I feel like the doctor's visit starts from the time the call is made to schedule the appointment. The same way I tell people like the job interview starts, if you're in a city, it starts from five blocks away from the building where you're interviewing. Or if you're traveling there by car, it starts when you get out of the car. That's when the interview starts. And I feel like the doctor's visit really starts at all of those touch points in the beginning. But what about when we when we first walk into that room, right? This, they're meeting you for the first time. Maybe it's a follow-up visit. I always slip up with, hi, it's nice to meet you if it's like a child when they're with a parent. And sometimes the parent will say, actually, I'm your patient too. Cause I don't, you know, I see 400 patients a month or something. So what's like a good solid introduction, right? Because in the business world, you're meeting a client for the first time. You're sitting down for a business meal. You are, you run into, you know, a superior in the elevator. They might not even know who you are. So you want to introduce you, you know, you really want to get things off to the right foot. How is it, you know, for that actual introduction, how do we make sure we nail that? I think it's perfectly lovely to have a handshake with somebody. I think that human touch is, you know, really super important. And, you know, making that, all the things that they tell you, or the, when you're a little, I don't know, when your parents told you, really, like, look them in the eye, give them a firm handshake. It's so nice to see you. I'm glad you were able to come in today. And I think it's one of those things it's a seemingly small phrase, but you know, when you're, if so say move it to a cocktail party and you know, when you meet somebody and they're like, oh no, it's really nice to meet you. And they're already looking over your shoulder to see if somebody more interesting is coming in the room, right? So you don't want to throw that away. 
oh, you know, I'm Dr. So-and-so. So glad you were able to come in today. I really like that, too. I'm so glad you were able to come in today. It brings a little bit of that hospitality sense into healthcare, which we could learn a lot from. So, you know, thanking them some way, recognizing the fact that they chose you for this visit. So you're appreciating that. I had a past interview where they said, make sure you notice the color of their eyes. I try to do that because I always find myself, like you said, I mean, there's no one else in the room that I could be talking to, right? So when you're in the exam room of the patient, but sometimes you've got so much else going on, you're trying to take notes, you're trying to notice things about the patient that's part of the exam, you're, you know, you're trying to make sure you're staying on time. That initial interaction is a little rushed. So I find that is a nice way also to slow it down, just long enough to notice the color of their eyes. Sometimes we end up in a little small talk with the patient, which is fine. It's nice. I, I, I think it's important. But sometimes that small talk tends to drag on a little longer than we have time for. Is there a way to, because I'm sure this happens in business meetings too. Oh, you're talking about your kids or your weekend activities or whatever, but then it's time to get down to business. So is there a, a good way to pivot from the small talk? Again, respectfully, but efficiently. To get the most out of your career as a physician, you need an employment contract that supports you. Unfortunately, most contracts do not initially include everything you need to be successful. Employers draft contracts with their best interests in mind, but the terms that benefit your employer are rarely as valuable to you. Before signing an employment contract, you should always make sure your salary, bonuses, paid time off, and other terms are fair. Resolve is the one and only place you can get live salary data so you know exactly what's happening in your specialty at all times. The best part of the data is that it's verified from real physician contracts. With access to data on what physicians like you are earning, you know when you're being underpaid and can confidently ask for what you deserve. In addition to providing data, they're the number one firm specializing in physician employment contracts. They work with every specialty nationwide. At Resolve, you get connected with an experienced attorney who will work with you one-on-one -on -one to ensure you sign with confidence. Your attorney will take your priorities into account, address concerns, make suggestions, and help you strategize for any negotiation. They can even negotiate with an employer on your behalf. So whether you're a seasoned attending or just finished training, Resolve is here to support you in every step of the way. Visit resolve.com to learn more and discover how to sign your ideal employment contract. Resolve, your trusted partner for physician contract review, negotiations, and salary data. I think what you want to do is you want to refer to the value of their time as opposed to the value of your time. So just to be able to say to them, again, I'm so glad you came in today. I know your time is valuable and I want to make the most of the time we have together. So what I'd love to do, if you can, is to have you start at the beginning, because this is going to help me if I can hear the events in a chronological, start at the beginning and just tell me the story of why you're here to see me today. I'd be running a lot more on time if I was able to integrate that into my visit. So I'm really going to try. I mean, I think those were those those specific phrases that you just used are really important, really important. Because, you know, I think as physicians, we, you know, we tend to be methodical about things, but sometimes this interaction is just kind of 
on the fly. And so the more methodical we can be about things, the more fulfilling it is for the patient and the more efficient it can be. And so I really, I love that. I think that's great. I think that's great. Being respectful of the patient's time and then also including that prompt about needing to hear it or it's helpful to hear it in chronological order because then that sets the stage. You're also right about gaze and posture. So you may, you mentioned the vocal tonality already, but there's also the nonverbal cues of gaze and posture. So tell us a little about how we can make sure we're optimizing those in our office visits. You know, very often what you're going to be doing is, I'm guessing, is sitting at a computer and taking notes. Is that correct? Totally correct. Unfortunately. And so I think what you want to do is just acknowledge the awkwardness of that. And so to say to your patient, because I want to make sure my notes are accurate, again, giving them the because, because I want to make sure my notes are accurate, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be typing on my computer while we're talking. So I just want you to know, you know, I'm not, and you can make a joke, like I'm not over here playing, I don't even know, Minecraft, is that even a game? I don't know. But- <laughs> it was Minesweeper. It, it used to be Minesweeper. I don't think that's been on desktops in, in 20 years. So I just want to reassure you, I'm not over here doing that, but I do want to make sure that I take notes on everything that you're telling me. You know, again, just acknowledge that, you know, you're going to be, once the physical inspection has occurred, you are going to be taking the notes and inputting them into your computer and giving them because behind why you're doing it. And I just even think that small thing, saying that out loud makes a big difference for people. They're like, oh, Okay. And again, I think if you, just to reference record keeping, you know, I really want to make sure I, or to say, I really want to make sure I take down all the details that you're giving me. If you got that, you really need to look at the way the room is set up and making sure, like if the patient, again, is in a thin gown on an examining table that's higher, but now you're sitting down and you're kind of eye level with their stomach, that feel, that's going to feel weird to them. I mean... As a lady, that's going to be weird. So for me, it's just really looking at in that moment, but you don't want to stand and you don't want to hover over them either. Is there a way to get closer to eye level is what you're saying? Like sit on a, like a higher stool. Sometimes yes. there's stools you can raise and lower. Or get them. like yeah. a stool from one of the morning shows, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I think something like that will make a big difference in, in just, and being kind of next to somebody rather than having a desk or something in between you, but not in such a way that they feel encroached upon. So you really do have to just kind of check with every patient to see what's comfortable for them. Because some people are going to be, you know, want a little bit more formality and some people are going to feel, you know, fine and they're not even going to think about it. And some people are going to want to change out of that gown and sit down and be more comfortable in their clothes. And some people are just want to get the heck out of there. So giving them the ability to, I can come back. I can see another patient. If you want to get changed, we can talk a little more versus like, or do you want to just finish this right now? Yeah, that would be, I think that's a great option to give people. Okay. So you want to be as eye level, you want to get the computer out of the way. And a lot of this stuff is not happening at the time of the visit. You're arranging things ahead of time in order to try and optimize that. And even just like... Things like, you know, where's the door? Where's the escape route? Where's the window? Do you have light behind you so that they're having to look into glare while they're talking to you? All of these kinds of things can start to make people feel, you know, more and less comfortable. Okay. So where should I be positioning my ring lights? (laughs) 
I've got my ring lights on now too. Yeah, it's uh it's you know, it's ultimately it's healthcare. So they're gonna be like the most unflattering incandescent lights in the least convenient places possible. But you can arrange where you are so that the patient is not blinded by whatever it is they're looking at. Okay. That's stuff that's stuff we never think about. Stuff we most of us never think about. Like anytime I set up a meeting room or speak to an audience or anything, I'm all about the lighting, the exit, the, all of these different kinds of things. You have to be intentional about it. Oh, fantastic. What about when we're concluding? So we've got this strong introduction. We've set up the room. We've got a couple prompts that let us interact, rather interrupt and make sure they're telling their story as we need to hear it. You finally, you're wrapping up the visit. You're telling them what the plan is. How do we, like we in, in medicine, we can't like serve coffee to let them know that the meal is over and it's time to go, time to collect their things. And some people they pick up on it. Like you stand up to like leave the room and other people don't pick up on it. Like they just, they don't realize that the visit's over. And sometimes I'll walk out and they're still sitting there as if they expect something else to happen. That just demonstrates how I don't know how to handle the exit. (laughs) So how should I, how should we be handling the conclusion of the visit? So everybody knows it's over. I think in honestly what you say, so Before we wrap up, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a list of the things that we've discussed, some of the behavioral changes or some of the medications or whatever it is that um, you're going to be making or taking or doing. And in terms of how you're going to follow up with me over the next week, month, year, I'm going to have you stop at the desk, pick up this piece of paper, talk to my receptionist, make an appointment for next week. But literally just to say, like, in conclusion, these are our next steps. We're about to end. Yeah. (laughs) It's over. Yeah. No, I mean, that's like warning them. Well, I'm interrupting you because, you know, you're letting them know that you're doing something. And so this is the same idea. You're letting them know you're setting up the end of the visit. I really like that. But you also want to give them how you're going to stay in touch moving forward. So I think I've got everything I need for today. You know, thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm going to leave these notes with so-and-so, whatever it is, whatever the next steps are for people. And then adios. But yes. Yeah. Sometimes my medical assistant will walk in the room and be like, are you finished? And I'm like, they're still there. Okay. And then she's got to like escort them out. So yeah, I think that that will be... Really helpful. Really helpful. Okay. So, you know, I think you can say before we wrap up, do you have any last questions for me? So hopefully that will be enough of a prompt. <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. But something, something that you write about that I think would be really helpful also is persuasion. Persuasion. So we don't have time to like open that whole can of worms of persuasion. And I, I think for physicians, you know, some of the time what our job is to just help the patient inform them as to what their options are and educate them and allow them to choose. But a lot of times we need to kind of shepherd them in towards what we think is most consistent with their healthcare goals, making sure that their healthcare goals are not, we're not just giving them our healthcare goals for them, but their own healthcare goals, right? But still, we have a fund of knowledge and experience that they don't have. So I think persuasion has a role. You talk about the most persuasive words in the English language, right? What are some of the more persuasive words that might be useful in a healthcare context? 
Well, I mean, really the most persuasive word in the English language, this is according to a study that was done at Yale, the most persuasive word in English language is you. So to say to somebody, so I've been listening to your healthcare goals, and my biggest takeaway is that what you are looking for is blah, blah, blah. So given that, this is my recommendation. Again, and then give them the because you stated blah, 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 blah. But the third part of persuasion that I think is so important comes from actually the Duncan Hines cake mix marketing team. Okay. So when Duncan Hines first started making cake mix, the decision to have you at home add the egg was actually made in the marketing department because there is powdered egg, like that technology exists. But what they realized is that when we add the egg, we're like, I bake. So this is where, again, you set it up. I've been really listening to what your healthcare goals are. So I'm going to make the following recommendation for you because you have stated that this is where you want to get to. And this is what I can contribute to the cake that we're baking that is, frankly, your improved health. So just to really set it up as the two of you, again, working as a team. Not my goals for you, but rather your goals for you. This is what you, yeah. This, this is, is what all. I've heard, this is what I've been hearing you say, you know. And again, just reminding people, and that way too. If you've if misheard them, they're like, well, no, you mis- you misunderstood. I didn't mean that at all. Oh, good, okay. So just giving them the opportunity, if in fact you did mishear them, to reframe it or restate it. And those are often the visits that tend to drag on. Because if you didn't hear them and didn't understand them properly, you know, then even though you've been you know, doing your best, they're the ones that come back with, you're not listening to me. You don't understand. Or they just continue to reiterate the same issues over and over as if you didn't hear them the first six times because you're not understanding why it's bothering them. So, so giving them that opportunity again and phrasing it that way, I think is really helpful because then if you are stuck, it helps things move along. It gives them another opportunity to say, wait a second, that's not what I meant. Then you can move things forward. Yeah. So you can say, I'm, go- I'm, gonna, I'm going to stop you because I want to, because, because I want to make sure I understand. This happened and this happened and this happened. And then this is very, this is really important. This is a technique that I picked up. I actually went put myself through divorce mediation training because I thought it was so interesting. It's a technique called looping. So this is what I heard you say. I heard you say this, and I heard you say this, and I heard you say this. And then you ask, is that right? That's where the patient has to close the loop. They say, yes, that's right. Or no, you missed this piece. Or no, you misunderstood. So pausing and getting that verbal confirmation helps them to feel that you haven't missed anything. And sometimes we don't bother to close the loop. And I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anybody. So yeah, it's a technique called looping. It's super useful. I mean, again, you use it with everybody. Use it with your partner. Use it with your kids. Tell me about your day. And then you're like, they're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of patients that I've seen in the last couple of days that I really could have used that technique on and they would have left more satisfied and the visits would have gone actually faster because they weren't, you know, because they kept on perseverating on these things that I, that I kept on saying, you know, I thought I understood, but yeah, looping sounds like it could be really powerful. The other thing that you can do is if that's not work, I mean, if you really feel like you've tried and you've restated it and you've asked for confirmation, the other thing you can do is you can speak to 
the emotion underneath the actual words. So just to say, like, I'm sorry, I can hear how frustrated you are. And I apologize that this is taking me so long to understand. So even in that moment, just to speak to the emotion underneath what's being said can help people kind of go like, okay, we're again, we're on the same team. This isn't an adversarial relationship. Yeah. And again, putting the onus on you as the one that's having the issue, understanding not them that's having the issue. Not the person that not that they're being shockingly unclear. And (laughs) there's one more thing that I read in your book that I just want to point out. And it's not really a question. It's more just a statement that it really um, works well in our world of healthcare because it's so hierarchical. And that's can you show me why you were doing it that way? And a lot of times because medicine is so, you know, you've got your pre-meds and your med students and your residents and your fellows and your junior attendings and your senior attendings and everyone's learning from somebody. But sometimes you're like, that doesn't seem right. I think I don't think they're doing it right. But it's hierarchical and you want to be respectful of everybody in general. So a great way to address that. Can you show me why you're doing it that way? Because then it's respectful, deferential, and it gives them the opportunity to maybe teach you something that you didn't realize was going on to begin with. And that's why you thought they were doing it wrong. So can you show me why you were doing it that way? I just really like that. I mean, feel free to comment on it, but I think that really works well in our world. I'm glad. I mean, it's it's such a useful it's such a useful tool because very often, again, I'll watch one of my assistants doing something and I'm thinking internally, I'm thinking, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. But there's, yeah. And then, but then if I correct them without asking, it's really upsetting to them because they feel judged and like, I think they're stupid <laughs> and all of those things. So just say like, um, hey, you know, yeah. Can you help me understand like what, what's happening right now? And it usually works. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, this interview has been gold. There is so much in here. I'm going to go back. I'm going to listen to it again. I'm going to be taking notes and I'm going to be incorporating a lot of this stuff into my future visits. And I think it's everything that I want, which is help the patients be more fulfilled and help the visits be more efficient. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise. And for the listeners, her books, How to Wow and The Wow Factor and Francis Cole Jones, where can people find you online? They can find me at my website, which is franciscoljones.com. And if they have any questions, I have an ask a question button on the site. All the questions roll right to my phone and I write everybody back. I can attest to that. You wrote me back very quickly. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's a marketing tool. It's a terrific tool because it's a way to build trust and communication and relationships with people. So yeah, write me, hit me up if you have any questions. And it was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks again from Heidi. Elevate your practice with a free AI scribe, zero cost, HIPAA compliant, and time saving. Ready to swap? We've got you covered for past AI scribe expenses. Head to HeidiHealth.com, get started, and make your practice the envy of every stethoscope in town. Thanks for listening. I have a favor to ask. You listened to the episode until the end, which means you either fell asleep or you really liked the episode. So please share it or like it or comment on a social media post or write us a five-star review, something. It would really help me out. And maybe what you learned from this episode can help someone else too. The views expressed in this episode are those of the interviewer and interviewee and don't represent the views of their employer or even their significant other. 
even though the magic of podcasting make it sound like I'm talking directly to you. This is not a doctor-patient relationship, and this is not medical advice, or financial advice, or really any advice. Thank us again for listening to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.